0: Trinity Baptist Church.
1: Listen to these words of encouragement from Paul's letters to the church. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. The kindness and love of God, our Savior, when that appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out generously through Jesus Christ our Savior so that having been justified by his grace we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Love is kind. The word of the Lord.
2: Good morning, I'd like to ask you all to stand for a moment. We're going to talk about kindness today, and I want us to to get into that mode of thinking by turning, meeting, and greeting each other. And to do that, I want to give you a little instruction. Just tell them your name. Hi, I'm Keith. How long you've been at Trinity, whether it's, you know, 22 years or 22 minutes, Um, either way is fine. And then I want you to share one act of kindness that you have experienced this week. One thing that someone has done or said um, that, that you just thought, man, that was so kind of them. For me, and, and here's, I'll give you a model, here's the template, okay? Hi, I'm Keith, I've been here 22 years, and this year I had a, or this week, I had a, a pretty challenging week, and I got an email from a, a woman who just said, Keith, I want you to know I'm behind you, I support you, I'm with you, Um have a good day (laughs) and and it just it was so kind because she didn't need to do that and and she just buoyed my spirits so that's mine all right so I'm going to give you two minutes you get one minute each to turn and and share your name and tenure and story of kindness ready go If, you're, if you are visiting with us this morning, or if, if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, two weeks ago we started the series called True Love, where we are looking at what God says love is through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it's not what the world says love is. Um, because it's not a feeling, it's not something you fall into or fall out of. Love is something you choose. And, and so, just a quick recap, the first week we kicked it off and we kind of looked at, at, you know, the macro view of what God's talking about with, with love. And the, the chief takeaway from the first week was this. You can't give love unless you live loved. You can't give something away that you don't have. And so in order for us to really be able to love others well, we need to live in the love that God has for us. And and it's always there. It's always available. We just need to step into it. We need to live in it, and then we can give love. So that was week one. the The chief takeaway from last week where we started walking through these characteristics, and and the first characteristic of love is that love is what? Patient. Love is patient. And I don't know what you took away from last week, but my chief takeaway was that, is that when I begin to feel impatient with people, my prayer needs to be not, Lord, give me patience, but Lord, help me better understand the patience you have with me. Because when I can put myself in that place and, and really recognize the patience that God has with me, then it's really, I have to choose then not to be patient with other people. Um, it, it just flows more naturally. So that was my takeaway. You may have had a different takeaway, but that was it for me. So this morning we're going to talk about kindness and, and to... <laughs> Help us think about that. I want you to consider two different scenarios. Here's the first one. You are, you're going to get married. You're going to have a wedding, okay? And I can, I can speak with, you know, pretty recent experience on this one. So you're putting this wedding together and you, you've got a budget and you pare down the, you've got, you've got the guest lists where it is so that you can afford to pay for everything. And you get the caterer and the photographer and the venue. And the dollars just keep stacking up. And so finally you go, well, i got to save money somewhere. So you think, I'll save on the wine. So instead of going and, and getting something nice, you go to Trader Joe's. Um, yeah, been there. You go to Trader Joe's and you, you, you say, you know, I, this isn't great, but it's good. It's affordable. And so you buy enough cases where you think this will, this is plenty. This is enough for everybody there. All right. Big day comes. You're excited, you know, and the guests start to arrive. And you see one of your good friends show up and you love this guy and you respect this guy. But he's got 12 buddies with him. And he did an RSVP plus 12. And so you're, oh, man. But you, you, know, you know these guys have to be good because you love this guy. And so, so the, it's all right. It'll be okay. So the big event happens. The reception's going on. Everybody's having a great time. They're eating. They're drinking. They're drinking. They're eating. They're drinking. They're drinking. They're drinking. And, and the wine runs out. And before you know it, your buddy who showed up provides more wine. And it's not the three-buck chuck you got at Trader Joe's. This is vintage Bordeaux stuff. And this is awesome. So not only does the party not end, but it gets better. Was that act of providing more wine, would you consider that an act of kindness? I would. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus shows up and he he takes care of this. And what I think is so cool about that is that this was his first miracle. This was his debut. This was his coming out. And he didn't... He didn't choose to showcase who he is by healing the sick or or feeding the multitude or raising the dead. How did he do it? He did it by helping somebody with a social faux pas. He did it to take care of somebody who would have come off looking bad. And he said, yeah, I don't want that to happen. That was kind. Here's another one. You, there's a guy in your community, you know him, everybody knows him, uh, but nobody really likes him. He's a millionaire, he's got the Park Avenue apartment, he's, he is um, he's a, a, a shrewd businessman, but nobody likes him because he's made his millions off of other people. He's he's kind of a short guy, always well dressed, got the Koh and the, the Ray bans and he's he's well you know, he's tanned and all that stuff. But he doesn't have any friends. So one day you're walking along with, with your good friend who's so very popular and, and there's a lot of people and you're all walking together and you're having a great time talking, and then all of a sudden your friend stops and he looks up and he sees this guy standing on the fire escape of of one of the buildings he owns in the neighborhood, And, and your friend calls up to him and says, Hey, Zach, what's for lunch? I'm coming to your house for lunch. Let's go. Would you say that was an act of kindness? I would. And that's exactly what Jesus did. With a guy named Zacchaeus, who had isolated himself because of a life that he had lived that was greedy and he had been living off of other people. And Jesus said, yeah, but I'm coming to your house because I want to get to know you. Friends, we think, when we think about Jesus, we think of his power and his passion and his devotion. But do we really consider his kindness we could go on and on and on. You know, Jesus stopping to take time to talk to the woman who had the issue of blood or Jesus taking time to, and, and caring for the, the multitudes and so he feeds them. And we, you could just go through, see, all of these acts of kindness. Jesus was incredibly kind. I love the Old Testament Hebrew word hesed which is translated as loving kindness. One word, loving kindness. Because love and kindness always go together. The psalmists use it 126 times to describe the character of God. And and David, I think, puts it best because he says in, in Psalm 63, your loving kindness is better than life. That's how kind... Our God is. Paul speaks to Titus of the kindness and love of God our Savior. He says to the Ephesians, he says, God raised us up and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms um, in order that he would show his incompar- the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The Greek word for, for kindness is Krestotes. And it's used to describe love in action. It's actively seeking the good of another. The, the Bible scholar W.E. Vine says that Christotes refers to an act of grace, to a, to a deed or a person who is useful, serviceable, and adapted to its purpose. The, the word Christotes was even used to describe food in the, in, in the first century. Which sounds kind of strange, right? But, but the idea was it would be used to describe food that was both tasty and healthy. So it would be kind of like me saying, Honey, the meal was really good tonight and the salad was especially kind. Yeah. Seems kind of strange, but that, the, the idea is that, that kindness is both good and good for you. It is pleasantly useful. Kindness doesn't... Kindness both says good morning and it makes the coffee. That's kindness. And that's the way that God has been with us. Hasn't God gotten you out of a few jams? Hasn't God invited himself into your home? Hasn't God... um, taken time to listen to every story you've ever wanted to tell him that's the loving kindness of the Lord and since God has been so kind to you shouldn't you be kind to others I want us to look at a story in the Old Testament it's in 2 Samuel chapter 9 if you want to turn there in your Bibles Second um, Samuel, just to let you know where it is, it comes right after First Samuel. I know that's helpful. Here's the, here's the backdrop of this story. David, who was a shepherd, becomes the king of Israel, which is quite an accomplishment. But it didn't happen without a lot of struggle. The, the king before David was a man named Saul. Saul had died in battle with the Philistines, but the, there was this conflict between the, the house of, of Saul and the house of David because all of these descendants of Saul, the offspring or, or the people in the bloodline of Saul, Saul had claimed to, to the throne. And so there was this enmity between the, the house of Saul and the house of David, and it went on for a long time. And we know this because in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, the war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. So there's a clue right there. So as this conflict goes on for this long time, David grows stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grows weaker and weaker. Uh, But but they continue to be enemies, except that David's best friend was Saul's son, Jonathan. And in the beginning of chapter 9... David asks in verse 1, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? The Hebrew word translated kindness here is the word I mentioned earlier, hesed. So what David is is saying essentially is, Is there anyone left in the enemy camp that I can love? Could, Could anyone... Find me an enemy to love. Well, David gets directed to a servant named Ziba. And in verse 3, David asks, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. And we learn later his name is Mephibosheth. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked Ziba answered, he is at the house of Mekir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Lodabar means no pasture. It means, I mean, this is an arid, desolate land. This is a place that you go when you're exiled. This is not some place anybody wants to live. Verse 5. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Mekir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. I want you to notice the first thing that David does. The first thing he does is he speaks Mephibosheth's name. And in so doing, he recognizes Mephibosheth as a person, not some nameless enemy, not some nameless exile. He is not a category. He is not a victim. He is not a fugitive. He is a person who has a name. And David knows him. The lesson for you and me is this. Kindness is not general. Kindness, you don't show acts of kindness to categories. You don't show acts of kindness to, to nameless, faceless people. Kindness is demonstrated to people. Kindness is demonstrated to specific people who have an identity, who are, are real persons. You know, we live in this impersonal culture where I can go to the bank, I can go fill my car with gas, I can go to the movie and never even speak to anybody. I just got to swipe my little card. We, we, We don't have to have interactions. We can do all of our shopping online. Never even have to go to the store. Um, one of the things I hate about telemarketers is they never get my name right. Hello, is this Mr. Void? <laughs> you know, we want people to know us. To know our names. David shows this very simple act of kindness by by recognizing Mephibosheth by name. So here's a challenge that I want to give to you this week. Every opportunity you have to learn someone's name and use it, do so. Whether it's in the checkout line at Food Emporium or at the the diner, you know, Burger Heaven that you go to or wherever you eat, um, you know, wherever you have an opportunity to... To meet someone new and learn their name, do that. Because it, it there's, some, there's some kindness in that. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have already forgotten the name of the person you met about 20 minutes ago? We need to do better at that. We need to... We need to show kindness by recognizing people as people, as individuals, as persons. There's something we love to be recognized and known. You say, well, Keith, I'm not good at names. Well, that's a cop-out, okay? We can all get better at at names. And studies have shown that if you say the person's name three times in in the first few seconds of the encounter, it will stick in your in your head. So, Brad, nice to meet you, Brad. Brad, it's really good seeing you today, Brad. It seems a little contrived, but I know Brad. And, and next, when I see him later, I'll go, Brad. So, you know, as you go through the week, show some kindness to these people. Maybe it's the person in the pew next to you. bye Knowing their name. Second act of kindness. David takes away Mephibosheth's fears. David says in verse 7 Don't be afraid, I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. Mephibosheth had every reason to be afraid of David. Uh, he was next, he was the only one left in Saul's bloodline. Everybody else had been killed. And even though he was crippled, he was a claimant to the throne. And so he could have been thinking, you know, my number's up. David's called me here to execute me. But David allays those fears and he says, don't be afraid don 't be afraid is a is a huge theme in the bible uh, you You read it over and over. the angels say it Jesus says it a lot. Why would that be a big theme of the Bible because we 're afraid because we are people who fear things we fear our future we fear um, our job security we fear our health we fear relationships we fear all kinds of stuff we even fear god at times in an unhealthy way because we think if you know you know if i don't measure up he's going to zap me friends we're a people who need reassurance we're a people who need others to come alongside and say don't be afraid It's an act of kindness. Like Mephibosheth, we haven't done anything that might make us deserving of grace. In fact, we've done just the opposite. And so sometimes we're afraid, but God shows a hesed, christotes, kindness sort of love. And he says to us, just as David said to Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry what you've done or left undone. I still love you. I still accept you. And friends, when we can live in the kindness of God's love toward us, we can show that same kind of reassuring kindness to others. In his letter to Titus and spring, read this earlier. Paul says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Here in David's encounter with Mephibosheth, we, we get a glimpse of that kindness, a glimpse of the nature of God who shows kindness in moving toward us and in saving us, not because of the good or the righteous things that we have done, but simply because of his love and his mercy. That's how God's kindness works toward you and me. That's the sort of kindness that David has toward Mephibosheth, and that's the kind of kindness that we need to have to one another. One last thing we see in this text David puts his kindness into action. David says in verse 7, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And if you skip down to verse 13, it says, And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Cal Thomas, who's a columnist, once wrote, Love talked about is easily ignored, but love demonstrated is irresistible. Love talked about is easily ignored, but love demonstrated is irresistible. David's kindness makes his love irresistible. He does more than just give Mephibosheth identity by calling his name. He, give, he does more than just reassure him that he doesn't need to be afraid. He puts his love into action by saying, I want you at my table every day. That sort of kindness cannot be ignored. That sort of kindness always makes a difference. The point is that real kindness requires action. Kindness is a way of life that works for the good of the other person. Kindness is bringing out the best in someone, seeing beneath the labels or the categories that that culture may have put on them and recognizing them as a real person. It comes alongside of them and and reassures them that, that there's life ahead. And kindness says, what do you need? How can I help? You need three squares a day at my table? Come on. Kindness is both good to them and it's good for them. Kindness is pleasantly useful. Question. How kind are you? When was the last time you did something for someone in your family or for your roommate without being asked? If you're a student, when was the last time you reached out to a shy classmate? In the workplace, when was the last time you um, you were intentional about pursuing a a perpetually grumpy coworker? How's your kindness quotient? When was the last time somebody's trying to cut you off in traffic and you step on the brake instead of the gas? Right, you're not getting in here. <laughs> When was the last time there was a, a single mom wrangling three kids behind you in the checkout line and you said, oh, you go in front of me? When was the last time you helped somebody carry a stroller up some stairs or help somebody with boxes get in a door? Paul told the Galatians, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. And here's a challenge what about your enemies? How kind are you to those who want what you want or take what you have? How kind are you to the boss who fired you or the wife who left you? What do you think would happen? Just dream with me for a minute. What do you think would happen if you, in any of those scenarios that I've just mentioned, if you surprised those people with kindness? Kindness is not easy, but it's this Hesed Christotes kind of kindness. That we're called to. It's the David to Mephibosheth kind of kindness. It's the God to us kind of kindness. And it's the kind of kindness that God calls us to. Paul told the Ephesians be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Every day this week, Every day this week, you're going to have an opportunity to be kind. You know that? You're going to have an opportunity to be kind today as you're leaving. And I, I challenge you to, to do the name thing today. And, and you know, humble yourself and, and the person that you met earlier and you've already forgotten their name, go to them and say, okay, I'm a bonehead. I didn't, do, I didn't use your name three times, so I missed it. So please tell me again. And, and, and treat that person with kindness. And, and maybe introduce yourself to two or three other people today. And, and, and let's begin to know each other in community so that, because there's kindness just in, in the knowing. You're going to have opportunities this week in, in the neighborhood or, or in your workplace or in your family be kind. As I said the first week, I don't know where you are with regard to you know, God and the Bible and, and if you're buying all that stuff, but here's something that you've you got to think about. And I asked this question week one: Do you think your life would be less or more satisfying? Less or more joyful, less or more rich, if people treated you with kindness. More. So then the question is do I want to be a person who enriches others? And if you do, then true love says you're kind. Kindness is both good to them and it's good for them. Kindness is where you give of yourself to them. Kindness is what God has done for us. And just as with patience, if you can step back and you can recognize the kindness that God has bestowed upon you, then it will motivate you to be kind to others. You will become to them pleasantly useful. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the kindness that you demonstrate to us. Thank you, Lord, that that we can experience, if we only have our eyes open, we can experience your kindness every day. And just as you um, care about social faux pas and you care about people who have isolated themselves by their own actions, you care about the stories and the, the, uh, the um, well-being Of people. You care about all those things for us. And so we're grateful. I'm grateful. And Lord, I'm grateful for the ultimate act of kindness that you showed in the cross, where you laid down your life so that I might have it. I pray that as we come to the table this morning, we would recognize this supreme act of kindness that you put on display, not because we deserved it, but because you loved us. For your name's sake we pray. Amen.